Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. On the flip side of that impasse, and this is something that Republican lawmakers have raised. Why is the new DOD policy on abortion critical to military readiness? I'm really glad you asked that question. No, I mean, I really am. One in five members of the U.S. military are women, 20%. We're an all-volunteer force. Nobody's forcing you to sign up and go. People volunteer to go. You raise your right hand and you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for a few years or even for my life. And it might cost me my life to do it. And when you sign up and you make that contract, you have every right to expect that the organization, in this case the military, is going to take care of you, and they're going to take care of your families. And they're going to make sure that you can serve with dignity and respect, no matter who you are or who you love uh, or, uh, or how you worship or don't. And, um, and our policies, whether they're diversity, inclusion, and equity, or whether they're about transgender individuals who qualify physically and mentally to serve to be able to do it with dignity, or whether it's about female service members, one in five, or female family members being able to count on the kinds of health care and reproductive care specifically that they need to serve. Uh, That is a foundational, sacred obligation of military leaders across the river. And welcome back to Flyover Politic Podcast. It's the 25th of July, year of our Lord, 2023. And I am so sorry, folks. I kind of went off the grid. I had a loss in the family. Um, One of our Huskies, uh, which I'll play at the end. I made a memorial. Uh, She was healthy Tuesday morning, and by Thursday, we had to put her to sleep. Um, A stroke took her and uh i gotta admit it was uh it was rough it was really hard um it was really hard to take when we weren't ready um she was a very healthy dog and um acted like a puppy he was almost 12 years old just it was just such a shock we thought it was a bee sting she uh she was very alpha so she killed a lot of shit in the yard and uh even bees and she used to come back with a you know her f- nose swollen you know you just uh, and she couldn't walk and then we took her to a vet they couldn't figure it out so we brought her home and slept with her in the living room and the next morning it was just obvious um her face was in a very weird position and her hind quarter just didn't work anymore she was uh in a lot of pain couldn't eat couldn't drink 
know, I swore I'd never get animals. I had a husky, well, I had a hybrid wolf. Um, he was like 90% wolf. And uh, he had seizures all the time. When you, when you get hybrids, uh, the it's touchy. You know, it's just touchy. You have a wild creature. And uh, once you establish dominance, they are the greatest dogs in the world, but they're still wild. So in his case, he'd have these horrible seizures where he'd come out and we'd have to get everybody away. I could be the only person that he would uh, eventually recognize. But he would corner himself and just make horrific sounds because he was scared. He didn't know where he was. And I'd have to talk him off the ledge. And um, that one ended horrible. I had to shoot him myself. He had gotten hit by a car. Um, he roamed free on our property. We lived way out in the middle of nowhere. We still don't know who did it because nobody lived on the road. All we could think of somebody drove through and hit him. And because uh, he'd go down to our friend's house and visit every day. Uh, they cried as hard as we did when we had to put him down, but that was uh, brutal, and it was in the 90s, like 98, I think, and um, I swore no dog again, and uh, then I broke down in 2011, and I got another dog, and then I broke down and got Betsy. Seems silly, but it, it's hard enough saying goodbye to people, uh, and our family, I mean, this is her hair, I kept it her leash is here I mean this isn't an animal it's it's a child and it has just been really tough on the family I mean even the other dogs they're lost they don't know what the fuck to do because she was the alpha she ran everything and now they're just confused the uh, youngest one keeps going out looking for her even when we bring him in he'll run back outside and he'll run through the kennel and he'll look around he'll look at us like where is she um, even though we let them smell her before we put her down, like, hey, you know, she's sick. And the older, the older husky figured it out. I think he knew, and he cried that day. And I think he saw us bury, he saw us bury her, and um, he cried the whole day, just a constant crying, because um, you know she raised him. She was uh, almost two when we got him. So it's just been rough. And um, on top, I just, um, I got so emotional, I was so fucking sick. I got a migraine, and then I got nauseous, and my stomach blew up, and it took me days to get out. So no excuse. I should have got on the mic. I just couldn't. Um, I couldn't get the emotions together until today. And even today, uh, you know, in the morning, it's tough because I would always greet them. When I came back from my walk and I go down and pet him for a while and you know it's just a hard thing to take so anywho that intro there is the biggest steaming pile of shit I've ever seen in my life um, how abortion is the core and I played all minute 40 seconds on purpose how that's a core to anything I I just uh I don't understand this administration. Um, 
But the media has come around about the military. They really care because we're stopping stupid. And they block some appointments. So here are a couple sound bites on that. Then we'll get into some just horrendous shit uh, up front. We're doing a, a quick little military hit because, man, these motherfuckers are going to fill a lot of body bags. Another right-wing conspiracy theory is that the U.S. military is a left-wing organization indoctrinating troops with hundreds of hours of DEI training. The actual truth? The right-wing punching bag, diversity and inclusion training, is just one hour, one hour of initial military training for infantry soldiers. And it's during the same period of training time that they spend 160 hours on rifle marksmanship. And it gets better. Because guess, just guess, when the mandatory lunch break length of DEI training was passed into law under President, former President Donald Trump. So just to sum this all up, Republicans, led by Senators Tommy Tuberville and Ted Cruz, seem to be more concerned about a map in a movie, a fake map in a movie about Barbie, an hour of DEI training and blocking women's access to health care than ensuring our military has confirmed leadership in place during an incredibly tenuous... I have to ask you about one of the provisions you mentioned to cut the DEI, or Diversity, Equity, Inclusion yeah. Office. Uh, during the floor debate last night, one Republican congressman, Eli Crane, actually used an offensive and outdated term to refer yeah. to black Americans. He, he said colored people. That Doesn't that seem to undercut the Republican argument that these kinds of DEI trainings and, and that office is needed? Yeah, there were a lot of Democrats that went on the floor after that to say you need DEI training in Congress if that's the terminology that you're going to use to describe this stuff. I mean, look, the GOP won its fights in the House. Those, it's not going to win the fights through Congress. They're going to have to make compromises. But they've also been making their argument based on this line of we don't need DEI training. It's a waste of money. It just encourages more racism. Everyone's equal. Let's just say that. But the onus is on them to kind of walk the walk. And if people like Eli Crane are using the terms... These guys are getting so stupid. Here's Mike Lee, soldier to SecDef. My mom died. I need to travel to funeral. SecDef, you'll be charged for leave time and must pay your own travel. SecDef, I want an abortion. SecDef to soldier. Here's three paid leave, and I'll pay for your travel. That's exactly what they're doing, and that's why they're trying to stop it. It's not even abortion. They don't have to say why. It's unasked. They just say, I want three weeks permissive TDY, and they're supposed to hand it out. And then this drops. Confidential Biden memo reveals transgender service members can skip deployments and receive indefinite physical fitness standards waivers. Indefinite. A dossier has acquired a new... Depart the dossier, I guess is the site, has acquired a new Department of Defense memo that goes into great detail on topic of care of service member identifies transgender. Document, which is now classified but is, is not classified but is longer man unavailable to America, is being published here for the first time. The 34-page memo details enormous perks granted to trannies. At the beginning of the tenure, Biden ended Trump's ban on trannies. Since then, the Biden administration has granted more and more benefits to the cohort. Uh, continue around my spider. Anyway, here's some of the highlights. Taxpayer-funded care 
speech voice therapy, cross-sex thorpe bones, laser hair removal, voice feminization surgery, facial contouring, body contouring, breast chest surgery, genital mutilation surgery, psychological counseling. And remember, I am still sick at 18 months. I can't even make an appointment. You can't even get in and make an appointment. They changed the whole system. Nobody can make an appointment. Service members identify as transgender may receive a waiver for grooming and uniform standards. Service members identify transgender may receive an indefinite waiver for physical fitness standards. This waiver often becomes a de facto permanent situation, and the transgender identifying service member just has to renew the exemption request every six months. It means they never take a PT test. That's why you have that fat fuck. This fat fucking piece of shit. Let me blow that up. Look at that. Yeah. That dude. That's why he's a fat ass. Not even remotely within height, weight, regs. Couldn't pass a PT test. Guarantee you can't run a fucking two miles in 20 minutes. That is one fat fucking 400 pounds of chewed bubblegum looking motherfucker. Service, uh, let's see. Service members who identify as transgender will be considered non-deployable for up to 300 days while taking hormones for their transition period. Again, given that these hormones are often required for life, this renders them unable to deploy. Jordan Shocker. No, it's them talking about. So Democrats have taken the U.S. military mission from defending, fighting, and winning wars to club LGBTQ. Any soldier, transgender or otherwise, who's non-deployable and constantly seeking waivers of physical fitness is a worthless shitbag. If they can't serve, they can't pass the standards, and they cost more medically, how do they benefit combat readiness? And that's my thing. Black guy. Hope the Republicans retake government. They boot them all out. Somehow, while all this is going on, this article breaks on task and purpose, who are a bunch of libtards, saying that it's all right that Millie's the most politicized general. And then the media. The far right's woke has real-world consequences. Now you care about it. You don't care that we're going to have a bunch of people can't serve because they're trannies. Blocking military promotions is unpatriotic, military.com says. And then Biden picks a woman. This one, he was told to pick a bunch of people for the Navy. He ignored it all and just picked a woman who's not qualified, but she's got a vagina, which once again gets me in my quandary. Oh, what the fuck are we? I mean, there's no gender and gender's a construct. Then why do we care if there's vaginas in charge? And I thought black dudes with dicks we're the ultimate females to this administration. I, I just get so fucking confused, man. While all this is happening, North Korea fires two things. And, of course, we have a black soldier who crossed into North Korea. And the media dropped it like it was nothing. Just Nothing. Folks, I don't care what your politics are. 
I've seen I had a lot more listens lately, and that's why I'm really apologizing. I haven't been, you know, podcasting because, geez, it's been a lot more than I usually get. I don't care what your politics is. You could be far left or you could be far right. But as I've seen it in my 50, almost six years of living, both parties go to war. They all go to war. If the all-volunteer army doesn't work, we're going to start drafting people. You understand that, right? The war is still going to happen. And the way the Biden administration is right now, Jesus fucking Christ, we, we, we're, we're all over the place. I mean, we got, we're finger fucking all sorts of shit, man. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. Um, so maybe, maybe we want to get our head out of our ass and fix the military. I don't know. It could be me. So we're going to go into a short section on this whistleblower shit. Um, Some of the slides, I didn't put them up, so I'll go back to the front. Democrats know how damaging this testimony is because they aren't attempting to discredit it. They're simply talking about Donald Trump. Republican IRS whistleblower X is a gay Democrat. So uh, before we just even talk, let's go ahead and play that. He, he's, yeah, he's not a mega guy. I hope that I am an example to other LGBTQ people out there who are questioning doing the right thing at the potential cost of themselves and others. We should always do the right thing, no matter how painful the process might be. I kind of equate this to the experience and feelings I encountered when coming out. It was honestly one of the hardest things I ever had to go through. I contemplated scenarios that would have been highly regrettable, but I did what is right and I'm standing in, or I'm sitting here in front of you today. Well, that kind of breaks up the whole thing that they're all discredited. I mean, uh, yeah, I don't know. Mediate covered it. Iris Whistleblower says he's hoping he's an example for LGBT community, and it was a liberal that did it. I mean, they're just having a really hard problem. Greenwald. Two IRS whistleblowers are currently testifying before Congress under oath about the multi-pronged pressure applied by the DOJ to protect Hunter Biden from more serious prosecutions. Nobody's watching CNN or MSNBC would, of course, have any idea this is happening. Given the recent interview Biden granted Nicole Wallace and Fareed Zakari, this isn't a complete shock. But they did cover this. And this is a little long. I'm going to play it. But uh, MTG. I thought this was funny. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Before we begin, I would like to let the committee and everyone watching at home that parental discretion is advised. 
I would also like to remind everyone that on our oversight committee, we provide oversight into all parts of the federal government, including their Department of Justice and their, their willingness to prosecute and their unwillingness to prosecute and whether it's politically motivated. Um, I would also like to say that when evidence and proof of a crime is presented, no prosecution should be denied, no matter who the person is. Uh, to the whistleblowers today, I thank both of you for your courage to come to the committee today and your commitment to, to truth. Uh, I have great respect for it, so thank you. I would like to talk with you both about Hunter Biden and his tax write-offs with his law firm, Owasco. I would like to ask uh, Mr. Ziegler, when did you start your investigation and your testimony? It was November 2018. Is that correct? Yes or no? Yes, that's correct. Thank you. During your testimony with the, House, with the House Ways and Means Committee, you stated that through bank records, you identified Hunter Biden was paying prostitutes related to a potential prostitution ring. Is that correct? Yes or no? Yes, that's correct. I've also reviewed that those same bank reports, commonly referred to as SARS, suspicious activity reports, and I'm very troubled by them. We read thousands of them in the Treasury. This particular excerpt from a SARS report talks about human trafficking uh, and in regards to Hunter Biden and Owasco and, and payments he was making. What's even more troubling to me is that the Department of Justice has brought no charges against Hunter Biden that will vindicate the rights of these women who are clearly victims under the law. Um, I would like to talk about in your prior testimony, you stated that the prosecutorial team was investigating violations of the Mann Act. Is that correct, Mr. Ziegler? That is correct. Regarding the Mann Act, if a person is transported across state lines for sexual activity, such as pros prostitution, that could be a violation of a federal law. Is that correct? Uh, I actually recently looked at the federal law regarding Mann Act, and I believe that that is correct, but I would refer you to the DOJ manual. Thank you. I would like to uh, present this to the committee. This is showing Hunter Biden paying for a victim's United flight from L.A. to Dulles. This was a, I believe this is a violation of the Mann Act. This is Hunter Biden's, this is his... Uh, proof that he bought the ticket. He bought it for this woman right here. Um, she, he flew her from Los Angeles to Washington on June 14th, flew her back to uh, Los Angeles, California on June 15th of 2018. And I would like to um, point out that if he was purchasing her a plane ticket for sex and traveling across state lines, do you believe that to be a violation of the Mann Act, Mr. Ziegler? So I can talk to specifically what's in my tran or what's in my transcript regarding the Mann Act. So I know we were compiling the information together. Yes, but Mr. Ziegler, travel as as the law states by the by the code of the law, it states traveling, paying someone to go across state lines. Is, is prostitution, it's a violation of the Mann Act. Let me just move on just one more, one more second here. Uh, so when, her, when Hunter Biden paid for this woman to do this with him, to travel across state lines from California to Washington, D.C. on June 15th, 
This is a violation of the Mann Act. This was prostitution. Let me continue. Did Hunter Biden also use his company, Owasco PC, to pay prostitutes? Can you hold on one second? Chairman? Yeah. See, the problem that the left is having right now is it's no longer allegations. It's proven. There's videos. There's sound bites. There's corroboration. But if you tune in to the hearings or go to C-SPAN or MSNBC, this is all you heard. Chairman, so let's first zero in on the bottom line. Uh, What we have is two IRS investigators who clearly worked very hard uh, on the Hunter Biden investigation, and thank you both for being here today. Um, You both gave recommendations to prosecutors based on your work, which you've described today. And then Donald Trump's hand-picked prosecutor then made recommendations to charge Hunter. He acted independently, and he himself has confirmed this. You did your job making recommendations, and then the prosecutor did his job. You don't have to agree with his conclusions, but that's the bottom line of what we have today at this hearing. But today's hearing is like most of the majority's investigations and hearings. A lot of allegations, zero proof. Um, I'm glad somebody brought up the word suspicious activity, because that's just what's taking place in this room. Make no mistake about it. And I want to congratulate my colleagues from across the aisle for gathering us here today, almost distracting us from the biggest investigation that is going on right now in our country and in our nation's history involving the former president, then the front runner for the Republican nomination, who is currently facing a 37-count indictment this week, and maybe two weeks from now more, and maybe two weeks from then more. But we're spending our time talking about Hunter Biden, someone who has already pleaded guilty to not filing his taxes, having a gun charge, and now I hear also uh, paying for prostitution. But let's just remember that there was a case in New York not too long ago where our former president also got into trouble regarding payments and regarding a stripper and was found guilty of a uh, violation in civil court. Now, there seems to be a lot of hemming and hawing about special treatment, special treatments. When the president, just a couple of days ago, tried to delay his federal documents trial and requested the U.S. District Judge Aileen Cannon, whom he appointed, to somehow or another consider the fact that he was a candidate and therefore maybe, maybe, maybe his trial should be put off until after the election. That seems to me like special treatment if I've ever heard of it before. But I'm grateful that my colleagues on the other side of the aisle are taking at least tax evasion very seriously. And I would welcome also a hearing on the former president's history of tax evasion and how long it took to see his tax returns covering 10 years and what was the outcome of that decision. You know, the Trump organization was hit with $1.6 million in Manhattan State Court being convicted of a tax scheme. So let's, let's be real when we talk about this. It's not just Hunter Biden 
But as long as we're saying Hunter Biden, we forget everything else. And again, Hunter Biden did step forward and said, I did not file taxes in two years. And yes, this gun charge, I will take responsibility for. Now, um, I love the fact that we are so much in love with the IRS. In fact, Speaker McCarthy said uh, when he was elected on the 15th vote, that the first bill that he would repeal. So there is actually no basis to say that this is somehow a politically, uh, somehow political interference or a weaponization, as they say, of the Department of Justice. In fact, based on my experience, I'm shocked that Hunter Biden was even charged with these crimes. If you look at the history of civil and criminal enforcement of tax issues and just look at Roger Stone's case, uh, he he effectively did the same thing as Hunter Biden and he he simply paid a fine. So the fact that he's even taking a plea deal, in my mind, demonstrates a two-tiered system of justice against Hunter Biden. This week, Republicans on the House Oversight Committee entered a new phase in their investigation into what they call the Biden crime family. On Wednesday, a pair of IRS whistleblowers testified, claiming that the Justice Department intentionally delayed bringing charges against Hunter Biden. Last month, NBC News reported that Hunter Biden struck an agreement to plead guilty to two federal misdemeanor counts of failing to pay his taxes. He also faces a separate felony gun possession charge, which will likely be dismissed if he meets certain conditions. Now, when this all came up, Republicans called it a sweetheart deal and claimed that the Biden administration used its influence to sway the investigation. The White House said it had no role in decision making regarding the case and that Joe Biden has no ties to his son's business operations. During the week's hearing, one of the IRS whistleblowers said he witnessed the U.S. attorney, David Weiss, who oversaw the Hunter Biden case, tell a room of senior FBI and IRS investigators in October that he was, quote, not the deciding person on whether charges are filed. Weiss disputes these allegations. And a little background here. Weiss was tapped by Donald Trump five years ago to investigate Hunter Biden's business dealings. When Joe Biden took office in 2021, he did what presidents typically do. He asked for resignations of all Trump-appointed United States attorneys, except for David Weiss, so that David Weiss could continue to investigate his own son. Now, if you thought a hearing with two IRS whistleblowers was going to be tame, you'd be wrong. That hearing quickly devolved when the Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene displayed explicit photographs of Hunter Biden to the committee. This is the reality of the Republican investigation into the so-called Biden crime family. Now, while all this is coming, we have other FBI whistleblower testimony on why FBI is hiding 11,000 hours of January 6th footage. Damning for the FBI. This is what he said. Those individuals were inside the Capitol to which the SSA responded back. And I was privy to these conversations firsthand. Why can't you show us, why can't you just send us, give us access to the 11,000 hours of video of this exam that's available? Because there may be, may be UCs, undercover officers, or CHSs, confidential confidential human sources, on those videos whose identity we need to protect. So, Mr. Allen, you got retaliated again. So instead of actually covering all this like you would if you're actually a news agency and you cared about the news, 
on MSNBC, you're going to see Veshi say that they don't have any conspiracy theorists watching their network, even though we went for Russia, Russia, Russia forever. Then the historian Bleshlosh comes on and said, Trump's just going to arrest a bunch of people. Then he goes over to Veshi's show and says, well, you know, Trump and DeSantis are just both fascists. Nina, but let's just talk about that for a second. I, I just did that, 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 that intro to the segment, right? So that my audience would understand this conspiracy theory that I guarantee you pretty much nobody in my audience knew that story because why would they? Uh, two segments ago, I talked about um, red states and, and Bidenomics. Again, I'm not, my, my audience doesn't have conspiracy theorists in it. Right. So what does this content war mean? What does this volume of information mean? I can say, you know, as Lawrence O'Donnell said, uh, Michael Beschloss, Donald Trump holds the ultimate incentive for her, meaning he becomes president. Clarence Thomas retires to permanently vacation with his billionaire friends, who, by the way, probably won't <laughs> want to take him anywhere anymore because he Eternal can't give him anything cruise. anymore. Right. And she gets on the Supreme Court in her right. late 30s. And then she had there's no incentive for her to behave herself. If she's MAGA, she can MAGA and there's nothing we can do about it. Well, and the other thing is we have to ask the question, just as Josh was saying, why did Donald Trump choose this moment to tell the American people that he will become a dictator if elected? You might think it might be more politically shrewd to pretend to be a moderate and then do all this if he is elected. And I would give two reasons. The major reason is if Americans think that Donald Trump is inevitable and that fascism is the wave of the American future, people will begin in their minds to censor themselves and they will make adjustments and everything they do between now and 16 months from now at the time of the election, they might say, well, maybe I shouldn't say this because if Trump is reelected, he may start jailing people. He may retaliate against people. And very specifically, if Donald Trump right now wants to intimidate jurors in Fort Pierce, Florida, in Georgia, in Washington, D.C., in other trials, you know, what better way than to give them the idea that if they're if they are cast a vote that sends Donald Trump to prison or causes him to be convicted, then if Donald Trump becomes president, who's going to be first on the enemies list? Remember what President Obama said, when we lose true democracy, people. But the even more dangerous thing, Stacey and Michael, is that you know, people who try to get a nomination in parties, you know, do it by trying to appeal to what they think will work. Well, look what Rick DeSantis has done in Florida. He was known as sort of a nondescript uh, political leader, member of Congress. Suddenly, he really has tried to turn himself into sort of a local Mussolini in Florida with the book banding and the br- brutal tactics. And even this week, this suggestion that bloggers have to register with the state for the honor of writing about the governor and other other political leaders. We have to call this what this is. This is fascism and authoritarianism that goes even beyond what Trump has talked about. That's what he thinks is gonna work in that party. Just think about that for a second. You're talking to Nina Jankowicz, Mary fucking Poppins.
The lack of intellectual honesty in our media elite from Chuck Todd just drips on NBC and MSDNC. It just drips. It's everywhere. You can't you can't escape it. It's fucking everywhere. And of course this week they did not want to cover their own self. So J-Pal decided to go out and say this, and I'm only going to play one soundbite of CNN saying they're really upset that she had to back off saying this. I, I, I'll just Guys. leave. Maybe I should just walk off. Guys, can I say something? Can I say something as somebody that's been in the streets and, and has participated in a lot of demonstrations? I think I want you to know that we have been fighting to make it clear that Israel is a racist state, that the Palestinian people deserve self-determination and autonomy, that the dream, that the dream of a two-state solution is slipping away from us, that it is not, that it does not even feel possible. It does not even feel possible. And I want you to know that while you may while you may have arguments with, with whether or not some of us on stage are fighting hard enough, I do want you to know that there is an organized opposition on the other side, and it isn't the people that are on this stage. Now, she's at Netroots Nation there. Uh, I know, Jackie, you know that, prog- that progressive gathering. She was cheered in that setting, but her colleagues in the House are denouncing her, and she has actually walked it back. But this is... Uh, part of a a broader set of problems for Democrats dealing with some members who have been pilloried as anti-Israel. And you see this pop up ever so often. It is a real fissure in the Democratic Party. And they haven't really figured out a way. Every time this happens, this sort of dance, you know, that they go out, has to have to um, uh, clean up what they, what, whatever member says at that time. Um, And they haven't been able to fix this. And I think we're going to kind of see it them try to fade into the background. Um, however, uh, this is something that long-term, they're going to have to deal with at some point. Well, it faded in the background, but the Israeli president, Isaac Herzog, is expected to speak yes. to a joint Sub-optimal session timing. Congress, where already some members have said that they aren't going to attend, um, which is a position, obviously, they're more than welcome to take, but he's kind of a ceremonial position inside of Israel, and I think he's not necessarily at all representative politically of where the Netanyahu government is. I guess my question, Alex, is, to, to Jackie's point, this continues to pop up every couple of months, and it's an internal battle that Democrats have had. Um, does this become a more prevalent issue going forward into a major campaign season? Absolutely. I mean, you, mm-hmm. Israel used to be a bipartisan issue with you know, large support basically on both sides. What you've seen is this growing part of the Democratic Party, if not being you know, anti-Israel, at least having a much more nuanced position. I mean, Joe, you know, Joe Biden, who's been a longtime supporter of Israel throughout his career, you're seeing some of that nuance. There's a reason he has never in, uh, invited Prime Minister Netanyahu to the United States, and it's the president instead. He's trying to do this stance, too, because he realizes that there's some disagreements within his own. Now, remember, every Republican has to answer for every stupid fucking thing Trump ever fucking says. All of it. 
Here's the press secretary. She's not made to fucking admit a shit. Address it all, Congresswoman Jayapal's comments in his meeting with Herzog. Say that one more time. Did the president have to address Congresswoman Jayapal's comment uh, that Israel is a racist state? What that do you mean had to address? Did it come up at all in the conversation with President Herzog? I mean, they're currently having a conversation right now did in the bilateral. To, to address it, did it come up in his call with Netanyahu yesterday? I mean, the president has been very clear, right? And I kind of stated this at the, at the beginning. The United States and Israel's relationship is a special one. There's a special bond. There's a commitment. Uh, and it is a commitment to Israel's right to exist, Israel's security, and, and its legi legitimacy. I mean, that's one of the reasons that the president spoke to uh, uh, Prime Minister yesterday and ha is having this important meeting with the Israeli president. Uh, they're going to have a conversation on how we continue to grow that special relationship. As I just laid out, 75 years of Israelis' independence is being celebrated uh, this year, and we think it's important to continue that relationship. I, the reason I ask is because yesterday Kirby had said that you know they were, you guys were glad that she apologized, but what we didn't hear was any condemnation of her comment. Um, from the White House. Does, does the White House so, condemn that comment? I mean, look, the apology was the right thing to do. And we've been very clear when it comes to anti-Semitism. The left is never required to eat a bag of dicks when they fuck up. Portland Democrats released a serial killer for prison because they worried he might get COVID and he went out and killed more people. Good work. Good fucking work. And on top of all this fucking shit, as we're going through, I mean, really bad shit. The most important thing in the country was Jason Aldean. Because he fucking had the balls to have a song with lyrics like this. Suck upon somebody on a sidewalk Carjacking old lady at a red light Pull a gun on the owner of a liquor store You think it's cool, act a fool if you like Cuss out a cop, spit in his face Stomp on the flag and light it up Yeah, you think it's tough Well try that in a small town See how far you make it down the road Around here we take care of our own You cross that line, it won't take long For you to find out, I recommend you don't Try that in a small town So this is, to me, it is so the same as the uh, libs of TikTok I mean, what's the fucking difference? You get pissed off because a person plays actual video videos of your Vikings pillaging. I mean, that was your people. We let motherfuckers rape and pillage for fucking a year, and now it's just normal. They just go and rip shit off. Businesses close down. Somehow it's Trump's fault or Red America's fault or gun owners' fault or... Red states' faults and try to run statistics that, well, most of the crime's actually in red states because the mayors of those cities are blue and they're letting them do whatever the fuck they want. Colin Rugg, country music television, pulls Jason Aldean's music video, Try That in Small Town, in response to media outrage. 
So in the music video, Aldine calls out left-wing violence, specifically violence against law enforcement. Apparently, this is controversial and hateful. NBC News, CMT has confirmed that after initially airing Jason Aldean's highly controversial music, how was it highly controversial? It's still number one, motherfuckers. You didn't change anything. Cheryl Crow, who turned left. Now, here are the words. I'm not going to sing them. If it was a rock song, I'd sing for you, but I, I don't do country. Sucker punch somebody on a sidewalk, carjack an old lady at a red light, pull a gun on an owner of a liquor store. Yeah, think it's cool. Well, act a fool if you like. Cuss out a cop, spit in his face, stomp on the flag and light it up. Yeah, you think you're tough. Try that in a small town. Somebody point me to the racism, Greg Price asked. Where's their race? Those are all things that are happening right now. Sucker punching people on sidewalks is still happening. Old ladies are getting carjacked. Everybody's getting carjacked. Pull a gun on a liquor store. It's every night in every city in America because you let everybody be lawless. Uh, cuss out a cop and spit in his face every time the left loses. Abortion. We just did it. Light a flag. Not the LGBT one, though. You like that, you're going to jail. That's a hate crime. But you can burn the American flag, wipe your ass on it like Alec Baldwin did on SNL. Everybody's fine with it. Next one. Got a gun that my granddad gave me. They say one day they're going to round up. Well, that shit might fly in the city. Good luck. Try that in a small town. Where's there a call for violence? There isn't. There's no violence in there. These are actually things that are happening in America. Right fucking now. Sound of Freedom audience members claim theater sabotaging film. So I took my wife, my daughter to go watch Sound of Freedom today. Let me see what it says. Try to watch this video. I tried to download it. I couldn't do it. Before we play another video here. Since all the TikTok that people are going to watch the movie The Sound of Freedom... Weird things, fire, emergency evacuations, things like that. Reality is they're trying to bury that motherfucker because, once again, it hurts the Biden administration. That's a racist movie also. Everything's racist that they don't like, which is really fucking crazy. This is MSNBC. Al Dean almost got away with it. Al Dean's latest signal, try that in small town, has sparked widespread backlash in response to violence seemingly lurking beneath its good old boy facade. Right-wing fantasy, everybody after them, expert on pro-vigilante song, pulled from country TV. You, you just made that all up. You, you made it all up because you can't. There is no backlash. The media don't like it because it's pointing out how fucked up you are, too. You're part of this cabal that's just letting the country go to dog shit because racism or sexism or even though we don't have gender because trannyism because I mean fuck I don't even know why you guys are doing it to protect Biden so here is the actual interview people went out and talked to people on the street about the song
I think it's absolutely overblown. He's just saying small town values, we're gonna take care of each other. I think we all are can have our equal opinions and not be offended every time we have an opinion. So I can I support him 100 percent Either it's freedom of speech or it's not. One way or the other. We don't get it both ways. I think it's a bunch of sissies making a big deal out of, you know, it's free speech, first of all. And I don't think it's a racial thing at all. I think that's the way he feels about our country. I didn't think there was anything wrong with this song. I thought it was a beautiful song. Um, everybody's going to take it the way they want. But. People, everybody has different opinions. Everybody's different. It's, it's a big country, so I say artistic freedom. I don't think it had anything to do with race or anything. I think this song was just a very basic song about living in a small town, and I don't understand how it was correlated at all with anything else. Yeah, I think he is just saying small town is small town, and they're going to support their own people, and I don't yep. think he's promoting violence at all. He's got the right to say what he wants. We, we have free speech in this country. And if you, you can say anything you want, you can walk around naked downtown, and if you're gay, it's okay. Jason Aldean sings a song and everybody gets their knickers in a twist. I think it's wrong. And he has the right to feel that way. And I think that they take it overboard. Yeah, unfortunately, we live in a country that racism, it's, it's being so over-exaggerated right now, and I'm sick and tired of it. So that's why we're coming here to support Jason Aldean's place before we leave for California tonight. Yep, you either got freedom of speech or you don't have freedom of speech, and the reality is everything he fucking said was true. I cover it because it's a microcosm of everything. So what, what happened after all this broke down? Well, of course, MSNBC said that uh, Tennessee's fascist. And on that, Ann Applebaum, in your latest article for The Atlantic entitled, Is Tennessee a Democracy? You discuss what happens after one party wins everything, but still wants more. And you write in part, quote, to stay in office in a state where few people vote and districts are gerrymandered, Tennessee legislators need to appeal to only a tiny number of very dedicated, very partisan people. The competition for those votes can quite quickly turn into a competition for who can sound mo most radical. You continue. There's another element. Call it the lesson of Sumner County, the place where Republicans won everything, control everything, and yet still feel aggrieved and victimized. As in... When one party wins everything, which is what they're working to do all the time. Jesus fucking Christ. So, you know, to close that chapter, let's just be honest. There's a reason you didn't have this kind of breakdown in the South. Atlanta, yeah, but you didn't have it everywhere else. Even African-Americans down here don't buy into all your bullshit. Gay people don't buy into your bullshit. That one lady nailed it. So you can walk naked in the street for an LGBT pride parade, but you can't sing a song? So our weekend shows, before we go into gay shit, 
Um, we decided instead of covering the more important stuff like Biden's a crooked motherfucker, the FBI's crooked motherfucker, we're really broken, the left's fucking pretty crooked, uh, we ran into the climate stuff. This is really real article. Ready for the climate lockdowns. New York Times Health. So you want to go outside despite the heat, heavy rainfall, and poor air quality affecting millions this summer. Here's how to determine whether it's safe to leave the house. USA Today ran a whole thing that we're all gonna die. And then abortion. This is what we ran with on... The weekend shows abortion and climate alarmism. Wherever you are joining us from this morning, the scorching summer heat wave, unlike anything we've seen before, is affecting your life. It's engulfed parts of the country for weeks, torching the southwestern and eastern United States with triple-digit temperatures, leaving tens of millions of people under heat alerts this weekend. It is a life-threatening emergency. The extreme heat is also searing Europe and Asia, putting the world on track once again for the hottest month ever recorded. It's a record that is not likely to stand for long, as scientists warn that human activities contributing to an increasingly warming planet could lead to a future where weather like this will become more common, more deadly, and longer lasting. It's an urgent global challenge for people, their communities, their countries, and the planet we all share. You have candidates out there like Donald Trump who mock the idea of climate change, and there are a vast number of Americans who ignore it, don't care about it, or, or don't believe it. How do you convince those people it's time to care? Well, we can't wait for Donald Trump to figure this out. We don't have time to mess around to wait for this knucklehead to figure this out. We just gotta make sure he's not an off. Nestled in Northern Idaho's rolling hills sits the college town of Moscow, home to the University of Idaho. Mackenzie Davidson, a budding journalist, works for the school newspaper, The Argonaut. Her editor asked her to write an editorial on a new law that bans so-called abortion trafficking. Before you were assigned to write this article, did you know anything about this abortion trafficking ban? I had heard of it, but I, I didn't know a whole lot about it. Did it surprise you that this was even a proposal here to prevent teenagers from leaving the state? Ever since Roe got overturned, um, it kind of felt like every day you're waking up and more and more of your rights are being taken away. Idaho. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's some Scary shit, man. It's very important. Very important. Gotta have, we gotta have our tranny shit. Yes, 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 yes. Because we have more hearings, which I don't know why we're doing more hearings on this tranny shit. And we have Rachel Irvine, once again, the dude, not a woman, running her cock trap. In reference to this fucking shit again, here, here's, here's gay shit. 
Ey, 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 bow, 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 Lil pump and cut. Ey, gang shit, 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 gang shit. Miss Robinson from Chicago is the president of the Human Rights Campaign and the first black queer woman to lead the organization. Thank you for inviting me to submit testimony at this important hearing. On behalf of HRC's more than three million members and supporters, I've come here today with a single message. The LGBT people, LGBTQ plus people of the United States are living in a state of emergency. This is not an exaggeration. This is not a dramatization. More than 525 anti-LGBTQ plus bills have been introduced this year in the states. More than 220 of those bills target the transgender community, many targeting children, trans ch transgender children. And more than 75 of those anti-LGBTQ plus bills have now become law. This includes laws that ban books and censor curriculum in the classroom. This includes laws that forbid children from being able to safely use the bathroom at school and laws that criminalize doctors for providing life-saving, gender-affirming health care. The purpose of these laws is to facilitate a rise in political extremism by alienating and isolating LGBTQ plus Americans. And the impact of these laws is truly alarming. There's now more violence against LGBTQ plus Americans than ever before with mass shootings in our safe spaces, murders of transgender people, and threats from the Proud Boys, neo-Nazis, and other groups the Southern Poverty Law Center has designated as extremists. There is now more anxiety and depression among LGBTQ plus children. Data from our most recent survey of LGBTQ plus teens shows that these laws are making young people feel unsafe and can prevent them from seeing a full future for themselves. There are also more conversations among families about whether the state where they live is safe for their children. A mother of two transgender teens who is deciding whether to move from her hometown in Texas told me simply, we have accepted that this state is not safe. It is like a war zone. In every county you represent, in every county your colleagues represent, you will find parents and children, teachers and nurses, community, teacher, community leaders and small business owners who are afraid that the rise in legislative assaults and the political extremism has put a target on their backs. Such fear has no place in the United States of America. That's why for the first time in HRC's nearly half century history, we have declared this state of emergency. We've also issued a guidebook to help LGBTQ plus Americans stay safe as they navigate the new anti-LGBTQ plus laws and a report that details the impact of these laws for advocates, for policymakers, and for the media. I've submitted both into the record. Chairman Durbin, Ranking Member Graham, and members of the committee, we need you to help us answer this state of emergency with a sense of urgency. Today, Senators Merkley, Baldwin, and Booker will introduce the Equality Act, which would make protections for LGBTQ plus Americans consistent and explicit across our nation. It's been nearly a decade since this bill was first introduced, and in that time, LGBTQ plus members of the military have served openly. Marriage equality has been codified in federal law, and more LGBTQ plus members of Congress have been elected than ever before. Furthermore, today, more than eight in 10 Americans support comprehensive non-discrimination laws for LGBTQ plus people. It is time for Congress to catch up with where our country already is and pass the Equality Act. I wanna to conclude today by saying that although this is a state of emergency, I believe that we still live in a land of infinite possibility. 
a nation that prides itself on progress. For every Tennessee, there is a Minnesota which has recently passed a statewide ban on so-called conversion therapy. For every Florida, there is a Michigan which recently became the 22nd state to make LGBTQ plus non-discrimination protections law. For every Texas, there is a Pennsylvania, which is on the cusp of becoming the 23rd state to do so. For every Defense of Marriage Act, there is a Respect for Marriage Act. And for every extremist, there are many, many more Americans who support LGBTQ plus rights. Our nation is greater than all of this hate. And we must take action now to end this emergency and secure equality for every American, without exception. Admiral Rachel Levine is a pediatrician and the Assistant Secretary for the Department of Health and Human Services. She's the highest ranking openly transgender federal official in the country. What would you say to folks who think that they're being reasonable by saying, why can't children just wait till they're 18? Adolescence is hard and puberty is hard. What if you're going through the wrong puberty? What if you inside feel that you are female, but now you're going through a male puberty? The argument is, well, they're too young to know. I want to make it clear that for prepubertal children, there are no medical procedures done. The standard of care allows them to explore that um, with therapy. It's really hard to take these people serious. That dude doesn't even try to look like a woman. And then you have our one libs of TikTok this week, because I didn't really want to go down that rabbit hole with everything going on. How dare you women think you own periods? This is a dude. I am Eloise. I am six. This is what I mean when the transphobia just comes out the audacity and just the 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 arrogance for cis women to believe that they own periods that they own womanhood you don't okay you don't own periods you don't own womanhood you experience both and both are different for every person but as a cis woman it doesn't belong to you so you can't gatekeep it like hello before we go into the billion slides well it's not a billion i only got a few um i want to play this this is a interesting soundbite i found um the worst social contagion ever and I tell you I ask anybody and once again if you're new to my show if you chop the dick you're a chick I'll call you a chick I, 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 I'm still a biology guy and once again I don't give a fuck go be a unicorn do your thing the only time I ever get fired up is when you fuck around with kids Kids fall the fads. Kids do all sorts of shit. I've done enough talking on here about my own with straight edge to this to that. You don't fuck with children on this. It's wrong. Wait till they're 18 and then they can fucking do whatever they want. But adults, be a unicorn. Don't care. But I'm not going to call you a woman until you're a full-fledged woman. And you don't get to change your pronouns a million times a year. I mean, get the fuck out of here. You're just playing games with people because you, for the first time in your life, you have power. I got it. It's nice. You have a bunch of power and you feel like a badass. Good for you. But we all got our own shit, man. We don't need to fucking embrace your shit. So here, this is, this breaks it down. It is. It's a fucking cult.
There have been a lot of people who have changed their opinion of radical gender ideology over the last couple of years. And a lot of that is due to the work that activists have put in to expose and shed light on some of the things that are being taught to children in schools. Just look at everything that happened in Loudoun County, Virginia, and how central of an issue education became in electing Republican Governor Glenn Youngkin. But there's one group of people who haven't budged on this issue. They haven't even budged one bit. And that's parents who have given into radical gender ideology for their own children. It's not something we think about often, but there's a very good reason why these parents won't or can't budge on this issue. We've heard from detransitioners, children who have told their own stories of the regret they feel after giving into radical gender ideology, but we never hear from their parents. Why is that? There's one Irish journalist named Helen Joyce who's done incredible work on this topic, and she explains this phenomenon perfectly. There's a lot of people who can't move on on this and um, because that's the people who've transitioned their own children. So those people are going to be like, you know, the Japanese soldiers who were on Pacific Islands and didn't know the war was over. Right. They've got to fight forever. This is why, this is another reason why this is the worst, worst, worst social contagion that we'll ever have experienced. A lot of people have done the worst thing that you could do, which is to harm their children irrevocably because of it. Those people will have to believe that they did the right thing for the rest of their lives, for their own sanity and for their own self-respect. So they'll still be fighting. And each one of those people destroys entire organizations and entire friendship groups. Like I've lost count of the number of times that somebody has said to me of a specific organization that has got turned upside down on this. Oh, the deputy director has a trans child or, you know, oh, the journalist on that paper who does special investigations has a trans child or whatever. The entire organization gets paralyzed by that one person. And it may not even be widely known at the organization that they have a trans child, but it will come out like people will have sort of said it quietly and now you can't talk truth in front of that person and you know you can't because what you're saying is you as a parent have done a truly like a human rights abuse yes, level of like awful thing to your child that cannot be fixed. There are specific individuals who are really actively against women's rights here and it's not known why they are but I happen to know through the back channels that it's because they've trans their child. And so those people will do anything for the entire rest of their lives to destroy me and people like me, because people like me are a standing reproach to them. I don't want to be, I'm not talking directly to them, I don't spend my time bitching about them, but the fact is that just simply by saying, we will never accept natal males in women's spaces, well, it's their son that we're talking about. And they've told their son that he can get himself sterilized and destroy his, his um, sexual function and women will accept him as a woman. And if we don't, there's no way back for them and their child. They've sold their child a bill of goods that they can't deliver on. And I'm the one who has to be bullied. It's a hundred percent fucking true because I mean, just look at this star of Netflix, queer rom-com glamorous wants trans characters to be role model for kids. Why? Why do kids need dudes and dresses as a role model? I mean, 100% Let's let's just one hundred percent on on real world. Let's let's all be adults about this. This was not a thing five years ago. This wasn't a thing ten years ago. And you can't use the SNL line from that bitch that freaking Adele video with the. Well, it's because they're all hiding and everybody hated. No, kids were not doing this until the left start pushing it because they realize it's a great avenue to get fucking kids to become lefties. 
You can turn kids into little activists by forcing this shit down their neck hole in school. Parents didn't know. But then we had COVID and you locked everything down. And voila, parents saw that you fuckheads were going crazy. You were teaching everything that wasn't in the curriculum. At least for what parents thought. So why do they need that? And when we didn't buck to it, well, then you started glad, and then you got HRC, and we're pushing shit like this. And it's so funny because we ran out of TV shows, and I'm sitting at the house, the wife, over the last couple of days. You know, we just, God, we needed something. Just something to watch to take our minds off it and to console our pups. We've had the male dogs in more than we've ever had them in. And they're staying in, which is really bizarre because they usually don't. And we went to Apple TV. And we decided to watch their shows. Now, a long time ago, I tried For Mankind, and it was just bad. And then we tried C, and that was just bad. And, you know, because it's Apple, it's, you know, you got every demographic except for white people and gay and trans, and you got everything. In in one of the shows, they had a, it's Hijack. There's a chick that, looks like a dude, so I think she's transitioning to a guy. Can't find it online, but all points show that she dresses like a guy. And we watched Invasion first, and right off the bat, the Invasion character, a Japanese blonde girl and a Japanese lady that I've seen in a bunch of shows, well, she's an astronaut and she dies. And the blonde lady is so in love. And that story doesn't go away. But I remembered the glad survey that they're killing these people off. Now, in this case, they counted it. I went back and looked. They counted it as a death, but it wasn't. That the, the character lived through the, all ten episodes, and the, and all we every episode we had to deal with the crying blonde Japanese girl and her fucking the brunette. And have flashback fucking. But now this is their thing. Make them trend. So you can't kill them off. I just wanted to put that up one more time. That, that, what is that? That's not a woman. That's not even trying. Gender queer was PolitiFact uh, flags Fox on NEA recommending gender queer for summer reading lists. Self-proclaimed mama bear. Today I took my non-binary kiddos, 18, to get an x-ray. The receptionist used she, her pronouns. We corrected her and told her my kiddos use the they, them pronouns. The receptionist continues the she, her pronouns. We corrected her a second time. Receptionist continued to refer to my kiddos as she, her. I told my visibly upset kiddo to go sit down while I corrected the person for a third time and insisted their preferred name be used to call them into the room. Thankfully, it was. It was deeply disappointing with the interaction, and it was upsetting for my kiddo. A medical service provider, it is imperative that frontline folks are educated in the gender spectrum, understand how people identify, and how to use identified pronouns properly. 
This is one of those times when my mama bear side comes out. I have contacted the company that will be following up with them regularly, so there is hopefully some change. Everyone deserves equitable, barrier-free, safe access to health service. People's reply, what are you teaching your daughter? That everyone has to jump through hoops to enable her illusion? In order to see this clearly, imagine your daughter had anorexia. Would you become mama bear? J.J. McMaster, I really like how your parenting choices allow your offspring to consistently dehumanize themselves and how you fight to make sure the rest of the world does the same. Yeah. You can change her name on the file. That's all you have to do. Naha Boylem, also on today's Naha Boylem podcast, received an email from a man who doesn't want his 10-year-old having playdates with child that changed gender as he believes it's a bad influence on his child. Is this parent just teaching his child to be a bigot? What's up now? 85122. I don't know what that means. Replies, he's protecting his child from communication, sexual gender delusion. Bigot is an anti-white slur designed to encourage whites to support harm of themselves and the loved ones. Okay. How is it possible you bigoted against something transgender that doesn't even didn't even exist five minutes ago? What other unknown forms of bigotry are just lurking out there waiting for Dr. Mengel to call them into existence? Excellent point, because it, it's the resistance they wish to break down. The focus of it almost irrelevant. I'd be more interested in investigating the family circumstances of the 10-year-old child whose gender was changed. A 10-year-old can barely pick up, pick what clothes they want. Another, I wouldn't want my child to be playing with borderline schizophrenic child. Somebody does, the earth used to be flat. These fucking people. Cambridge Public Schools eliminated advanced math in middle school with an aim of reducing disparities between the low-income children of color and their more affluent peers, but some families and educators argue the decision has the opposite effect, and all it's doing is punishing, punishing st- smart kids so everybody can assuage their white guilt. Great job. Now our kids are further behind the rest of the world in math, science, STEM, and the important shit. There's Leah Thomas. Now she's an Antifa super soldier. I heard she got her dick chopped, so I'm going to call her she. Can't prove that. Bud Light decided to go out back into the social media thing, and they decided to show pictures, and I'm telling you, they were not smart. Uh, Look at that shit. This is so good. The photoshops that came in, there's your gay parade, there's some butt plugs... Garbage piles uh, in a garbage can. Yinling. Ah, That was good shit. This is the New York Times magazine. Don't play with your kids seriously. I have three kids under 10 who don't expect or even want to play with me. It took some practice, but over time we've all learned we're better off doing our own thing. I'm not even going to read this article. Don't. These are the people that tell you there are children. Then they say if you don't 
sterilize your kid, we will. I'm dis I'm gonna remove that goddamn app. That is just getting fucking annoying. What the fucking fuck? Anyway. Uh last sound bite. Uh nah, I'm not gonna play it. Uh, it's another reproductive uh, our tax dollars, PBS pre- reproductive coercion, PBS the news hour connects pro-life victories to domestic violence. Yeah. Researchers at Oregon State sent out a survey, LGBTQ, but students in STEM didn't take it seriously. Fortunately, the researchers were able to suss out the cause. Fascism. Read the whole article. just keeps getting better and better. Academic researchers condemned students' irreverent and offensive response to LGBTQ survey, claiming the pushback indicates fascist ideologues are living inside the house of engineering and computer science. In the article for the Bulletin Applied Transgender Studies, academic from Oregon State University wrote about their shock of receiving sarcasm and mockery in response to their research into undergraduate LGBTQ students studying in the STEM field. The team claimed 50 of the 349 responses to their questionnaires on topic contained slurs, hate speech, or direct targeting of the research team, labeling them malicious respondents. They adapted the project to examine how the joke responses relate to engineering culture by framing them within a larger social context, namely the rise of online fascism. The result was the paper title, Attack Helicopters and White Supremacy, Interpreting Malicious Responses to Online Questionnaires. The 24% have been insisted the brainwashing give them hope. I'm not going to read the sponsors. It's just fucking good for them. Good for them. Those are serious people going to store to get degrees to go do serious shit like save the world from shit. And your trans shit. Not that important. That is Allison Camerata holding hands with Jeff Zucker. Problem is, Allison Camerata's married. These people are hypocrites. Just remember, this lady is on CNN. She was on Fox. Then she became on CNN. Then she turned super liberal. Then she was a 100% Trump-bashing cunt bag. And uh, for the record, I see you. A disgrace. U.S. women's soccer team hammered for response to the national anthem once again. And guess what? They're not picked to win. Of course they're not. Of course they're not. They're too busy doing woke shit. So, if you will indulge me, I'd like to do the last thing, uh, last soundbite for today instead of a lighter fare or some other thing I... Made a video in honor of my dog. I'm not going to watch it again because it makes me cry. And then we will uh, close this show out. Well, let, let's cover one thing. I think this is an amazing, interesting article. And um, I think I covered it briefly back in the day. This is from 
Oh, I don't know when this was from. It happened when we, we were on the show. But 25 years after turning to Yellowstone, wolves have helped stabilize the ecosystem. New research shows that reducing populations and thinning out weak and sick animal wolves have a role in creating resilient elk herds. Problem was, when they brought the wolves back, it improved rivers, aspen and birch trees, bugs, birds, everything. It changed the routes of rivers. Because everything is dependent on an alpha. You got to have an alpha. You got to have a predator and you got to have minions. It is just the way the world is. And I remember when they depopulated, I, we were married and I was very, I actually wrote a letter. They were doing it in Alaska too. They were doing aerial shooting of wolves and it just pissed me the fuck off because whenever we had money, we would donate to Wolf Haven and there's another one up in um, uh, Washington State where they take care of rescues. Um, but we are living that right now is why I brought up the article. We're in a house that is uh, devoid of its alpha, which was a dog. And the dogs are affected, and Mom and I are affected. So please uh, indulge me on this. It's a beautiful video of a beautiful gift that I got from God.
All right. I uh, won't mention it again. That's it. Um, and that wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Share with the family and friends. Go to SoundCloud, Flyover Politic with a K, 482467 on your Rumble, and email me at foppodcast at gmail.com. Uh, it is Tuesday. We will go with a Saturday, 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 29. July, year of our Lord, 2023, for our next podcast. I promise this time. And uh, try to get a rhythm back and get us some shows out that are... Uh, I, this was kind of a grab bag. I had it together numerous times, loaded, pulled stuff out, put stuff in. I decided just to go with the stuff that I was pissed off about. And I know I spent a lot of time on uh, music video, country music, and I don't even like country music, but it, it's a... It's a perfect example of our society. Um, One side can say whatever they want and be heinous and hateful, and that's okay because they're righteous and the media doesn't attack them. I mean, the same week Japal says that Israel is a fucking racist state, a dude playing a video of people shitting on the country that are real videos of people shitting on the country, he's the douche. That that's our, it's our country, man. And every time one of theirs is up against the wall, like Biden is right now, with all this shit and the FBI, it's Trump time. Yeah, it's just what we do. So, disconnect from all your devices. Don't give the yeah yeahs and tune in on Saturday. We'll do a great show. I'll be a better spirit and. For all of you who have listened, my God, there's been a lot of listens. I thank you so much, and I promise you'll be getting two a week now. So y'all take care. See you next time. Every death is a tragedy, y'all. It's seven lives.